The only three levers that determine success. Welcome to the 63 new members of The Break since last week. We're all on a mission to break our careers, and that's a good thing. Join us to gain the confidence to break out every single week and pass us along to someone who needs it. If you like what we've been, you've been reading, uh, follow along on Twitter. I'm at MNGarden, and you can find me on LinkedIn by searching Michael Garden, G-A-R-D-O-N, for more community and conversation about breaking work. It is Thursday. It is not Wednesday. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm a day late. Try to uh, keep on top of my writing habit, but sometimes it's a little difficult. Today's break is brought to you by TopStack Resume again. TopStack Resume writers create custom ATS-friendly resumes that will wow hiring managers and recruiters. They can also craft engaging cover letters and LinkedIn profile content. And if you need some extra support during your job search, you can work with one of the company's career consultants for guidance. Their unique pay-after option allows you to get started with TopStack risk-free. Both the professional and premium packages come with a 60-day interview guarantee. The three levers of success. So success is a tricky subject. Life, health, wealth, family. I'm not going to define it here, but other than to say, for me, all of that matters. That's why I've rejected the corporate ladder and the nine-to-five rat race. But no matter how you define success, there's really no, only a handful of things that ever make up the lion's share of progress. I found there's only three levers that determine your ability to succeed in any way you define success. If we focus on these three levers, understand how they work and how they work together, we, we can succeed at anything we want. So the three levers are circle of competence, leverage, and luck surface area. So here's a deeper look at what they are and how they interact. First off is this concept of circle of competence. So the most successful people in the world aren't know-it-alls. Know-it-alls are the charlatan experts you see in the 24-7 news cycle. So forget them. No, the most successful people in the world understand the edge of where their expertise ends and uncertainty begins. This is the circle of competence. Circle of competence is is the knowledge that you have today. What you actually know, not what you think you know. And there's a big difference between these two. The circle of competence was popularized by Warren Buffett, the famed investor. And he says it means being realistic in appraising your own talents and shortcomings. Why is this important? Because the most dangerous thing for a human being is when we act on something that we think we know that is just wrong. This happens in daily life all the time because every decision we make is an investing decision that involves uncertainty. But when you know your circle of competence, you can expand it smartly or leverage it in new ways for growth without making huge mistakes. To give you an investing example, think of your circle of competence as your base asset. If you have an asset worth a million dollars, and an asset worth $100 million, the same 1% increase in both results in only $10,000 in the smaller asset, but $1 million in the larger asset. So the goal is to start where you are and use your energy to think about ways to grow your circle of competence in related ways or use it differently instead of stepping completely out and creating a new one. Another way to think about circle of competence is all the things you should do, you and only you should do, versus all the things that you can do. This comes from executive coach Christine Carrillo. 
Everyone has a circle of competence, so how do you find yours? This is really difficult because I've actually had periods of time where I really struggled to figure out like what my exact circle of competence was. Um, so the best way I found is, you know, one to do some to do this individually, and that is just write down a list of all the skills that you think you have. Get a get a whiteboard, get a notebook, write them all down, and then try to categorize them into like common buckets, so we can put a little put some layers on them. Another great way that I've done, I mean, you can do this one-on-one -on -one and get feedback from people and ask them directly, but a great way is to create a Google form. And I'm, I'm going to create a, a newsletter or a couple of LinkedIn posts on exactly how I've done this in the past, but I've used, I've created a Google form uh, where I've just asked people a couple of questions like, what do you need more of, of from me? Can you think of a story that encapsulates like my skills um, and a few other questions. And I just sent that out and people just responded to like five to six questions. And I got a spreadsheet of all of the, uh, feedback from friends, family, colleagues, people that I've worked for, people that I've worked with. Um, so I got like a really good broad perspective on what other people thought I did really well. And that was unique to me. And there's a spreadsheet of all of it. And so it's a little bit easier to dig in and drill down and see what your circle of competence is. But no matter what you do, everyone has a circle of competence. I don't care where you are. I don't care how old you are. You have something that you're uniquely good at that you like to do. And that is where we want to start to build. So the second piece is this concept of leverage. So you have a skill set and a circle of competence, but how are you going to use that position for max benefit? You need to find a position of leverage. So leverage is this concept where you're able to use tools, skills, assets, money, time, and all of these other things uh, which enable your circle of competence at some scale. This concept comes from uh, investor Naval Ravikant. Let's take two identical people. So both are college seniors looking to break into product management roles when they graduate. They have identical GPAs, they have identical internships, et cetera. The only difference between them is that one of them has been talking about the journey that they're on towards a product management role in college. They've been doing that on Twitter and LinkedIn, and that person has amassed 25,000 followers. And the other person has not, has not done any of that stuff. So the person online has an advantage because media and audience is leverage. Person one has to use his or her labor to find and apply for positions on an individual basis. Person two, the one that has the audience, can be found through LinkedIn and Twitter. They can be engaged with, they can engage hiring managers on these online platforms much more easily. So do you see how that works? Leverage is the fuel for compound growth. The idea is to get more output per input. So a few examples of leverage. Um, so, you know, one, one area of leverage is really skills. It's, it's the idea of, of knowledge work over physical work, right? If you have to break your back for an hour to earn 15 bucks, it would be much, arguably, much better. And all things have diminishing returns, but it would arguably be better if you could use your brain to make that same amount of money over an hour. Because if you could, 
you could arguably work fewer hours and make more money per hour. Second one would be uh, leveraging skills within your circle of competence that are more in demand. So if your circle of competence is product management, let's say, creating, uh, attaining new skills that are complementary within product management can make you more valuable and then earn more money. So there are particular skills, not just any skill, but particular skills within your circle of competence that can be leveraged. The third is any type of automation. Um, I mean, software, software and systems come to mind, but like any type of repetitive task or the ability to offload repetitive things uh, through software is leverage. In society, software has been a huge point of leverage. Uh, money and capital is a very well-known point of leverage. And as you kind of progress within your um, career, you see a, a shift a lot of times from uh, people who are using their time to make money to then having saved money and accumulating money and are using money to either buy back their own time or are investing money to make more money. So you can also use money to just pay to get things done. A really good example is like if you have a house and you have a yard to mow, paying a high school kid maybe 20 to $40 to mow your lawn. And that, if that gets you back an hour of your time, it's very well worth it because let's say you make $100 an hour uh, or that's what you, you value your time at and you're able to pay somebody 20 to get an hour of your time, that is leverage, that is compounding. And you can use money within your business to get things done as well. Uh, same is same is true for our next one, which is using other humans uh, in business. This is called having employees, division of labor, um, and getting things done. And the last one, and there's many more, but the last one I'll point out is this idea of audience and product. And kind of if you're online and looking at LinkedIn and Twitter, there's a lot of talk going on about audience building and being a solopreneur having a product that makes money kind of around the clock uh, and that doesn't take a ton of time and effort and work. Um, but if you think of audience, like some of the biggest companies in history have been TV and radio companies because they have a mass scale. They have a mass audience that they can uh, talk to and that advertisers want a piece of. So the best resources I've found um, and used uh, on audience building in particular and solo entrepreneurship was kind of like the path that I have been on over the last few years are from uh, my friend Blake Burge, uh, who runs an audience building course along with Sahil Bloom that I have taken and paid for. Links are in the, in the newsletter. And then Justin Welsh, who uh, <laughs> basically says everything that I've ever wanted to say. Um, he, he ends up, I end up reading um, it has lots of great information around being a diversified entrepreneur. And that is something that I, a, a principle that I really, really aspire to and, and think about a lot is this idea of diversity within your revenue streams. Uh, so the third concept that we need to understand is this idea of luck surface area. Why is luck important? None of the above that you do with leverage and circle of competence guarantees success.
The world is far more unpredictable than we think. We can't predict where all good opportunities will come for. We can't predict when bad things will happen. So we need to get lucky and we need to avoid catastrophic mistakes. To get lucky, we need to maximize our opportunities for luck. And then we call this luck surface area. So both the concepts that we talked about before, uh, when used together, will expand what we call our luck surface area. And I first saw this um, term in a tweet from Sahil Bloom, who I follow a lot. He's fantastic in everything that he writes online. And he further has explained it in a newsletter on how to newsletter episode, I guess, on how to get lucky, which I highly recommend subscribing to his newsletter called The Curiosity Chronicle. So first, how this happens is by operating within our circle of competence, we're less likely to make bad mistakes that take us out of the game. Um, I think the biggest example of a bad mistake of going outside of your circle of competence comes from the world of investing. When people, let's say, understand a stock or a set of stocks really, really well and understand the product, use the product and are really good at that, and then see something like, let's say, cryptocurrency, and they see it's hot and they go into that uh, realm with guns blazing and they don't understand it nearly as bad and people get wiped out. That's kind of a big catastrophic type of mistake that comes from people operating outside of their circle of competence. Second, if we intimately know what we're good at, we can become known for it. We can use it in, in complementary ways and eliminate effort in unrelated fields that suck our time and energy. So how these two things interact, uh, when we apply leverage to our circle of competence, we expand our luck surface area. And this is where the pros play. Applying leverage outside our, our uh, circle of competence is very dangerous, as I kind of illustrated before. This is where the charlatans and hucksters and broke investors play. So an example of how to get lucky. Start, I, I always preach, start with whatever skill set you have today. Don't go learn code just because everyone tells you it's a valuable skill. Instead, learn a leverageable skill that cuts across any, that is additive to just about anything that you possibly do. So examples of leverageable skills are writing, sales, communication, networking. All of those things can be applied to whatever circle of competence you have to make you better and to expand your luck surface area. Then go tell people about what you do and net, network in meaningful ways. You apply this leverage to expand your circle of competence, rinse and repeat. So in other words, the way to get lucky is be known for something build relationships, take action, tell people, and then build products and services that don't require the same amount of effort. So what's happening on the pod, uh, on the break podcast? Hiring and skilling need to get rethought. And my guest in the latest episode here is doing just that. Manoj Jonah has an amazing story from immigrant through several career transitions, which I absolutely love, to venture-backed skills-based hiring platform Ramped, which he co-founded. Manoj is an absolute gem. You're going to want to listen to this episode. 
That's it for this week. You made it to the end. Hopefully you learned something about breaking your career today. And if so, please share this with someone you care about. And we will see you next week.